0: Welcome to the California Work Comp Report. Today is April 25th. I am your host, Corey Olson, here with Dr. John Alchemy discussing impairment accuracy when less is more. How are you doing today, John? Hey, I'm doing great, Corey. How are you? I'm doing well. Today's topic is on impairment accuracy and when less is more. Um, we're kind of talking about removing the doctor for ratings to improve accuracy and report completeness. Now, The question that I had is, what is wrong with the current system? And conversely, what is the reward for physicians and, in a greater sense, all stakeholders by sort of removing the doctor from the report process?
1: So we're talking about impairment rating. um, And people who are in the industry are kind of yawning right now saying, yeah, tell me something new, you know, something I don't know. But just to back up for people who aren't familiar with it, impairment rating is this process when cases in workers' comp usually Um, go through treatment, they arrive at a maximum improvement, and then the claim has to be settled. And the settlement is based on a combination of um, signs and symptoms, and each state has its own rule set on how that's carried out. The issue that we have is that these reports are done with varying consistency, um, wide swings in accuracy, completeness, adherence to the data set, and so forth. There are uh, three main stakeholders in the process. There's the employer, there's the injured worker, there's the insurance company um, who are invested in this process being done uh, timely and accurately. Um, It uh, also can get litigated and get very expensive, and a lot of it hinges on how accurately the settlement um, is created and uh, proposed to the stakeholders. So that's, in a nutshell what we're talking about. Settlement of work comp injuries, uh, doing it accurately, and uh, doing it timely. Now, um, I think anyone who's in the uh, industry, no one is going to argue that cases are done poorly. They've been done poorly for years. They continue to be done poorly. Um, There've been all kinds of uh, interventions, um, trainings, uh, systems uh, tried to be put in place and they're just none of them are really working very well. So this is something that I'm interested in um, because it's an area that I specialize in, and that is impairment uh, you know, pricing and work comp. Now, uh, I also have a company uh, called Ratefast, and Ratefast has given me a unique opportunity to not only look into my home state, uh, California, um, with impairment ratings and how well we do. Um, But we've also worked with a couple of insurance companies at the primary level uh, to try to figure out a system uh, to determine more accurate ratings. And in the process of doing that, of course, we had to survey the environment before we could determine what to do. And that's how uh, we got into it and got some extra insight into it that I think our podcast listeners um, will be surprised and uh, will maybe change their minds about the way that We currently uh, price and settle work comp injuries anywhere in the United States.
0: So, John, you mentioned that in an attempt to sort of repair the system and everything, there's all sorts of trainings and seminars to get doctors to sort of more accurately and consistently give reports, and it doesn't sound like it's working quite well. Now, why don't those trainings tend to stick?
1: So a lot of the trainings um, that occur, some are done commercially, um, some are like set up as systems um, within... Medical clinics where doctors work, or they're put on by the insurance companies to try to get you know better results. Um, you know, some doctors are left with just this book of 600 pages and trying to navigate it on their own. So, you know, that the doctors in the system get you know training at various um, you know levels and uh, degrees of correct information to begin with. So, the training is kind of all over the board. Um, that being said. Even if you're professionally trained, um, you make a concerted effort in your practice. That I want to learn impairment ratings. I want to be a good steward of the system. Uh, I want to do my best. Um, these rule sets are very layered, very complex, and and the issue is twofold. One is getting a firm understanding of the rules, and that's step one. And step two is getting enough practice to execute consistently. That's where I think the biggest challenge is, because if you don't um, have enough of these reports that you're doing and that you're practiced on, if you're just trying to kind of do it on your own and keep keep your own skills up, you really don't have much of a chance of uh, turning out a good consistent report uh, out of your clinic. Now, some doctors will learn a very small portion of the rule set and that's what they will practice. And that's what will, what they will rate on. The problem is, is that you're only applying about 5% of the rules to each rating and missing 95%. And the ratings come out uh, very uh, inaccurate, very inconsistent, particularly when you get an observer who knows the rules. Okay. They're like, hey, you know, you left out 80%. You didn't ask this. Where are these measurements? Um, you know, and and then it's just as well if the provider never did the exam. So, so the point being, the, tra- the trainings don't stick because A, it's too complicated in the rule sets and B, the doctors do not do enough of the exams consistently to be good at it. And let me just kind of put in myself, um, I probably do close to 30 to 50 impairment exams a week. And if I didn't have a highly structured, streamlined system uh, for obtaining the questions, performing the measurements, etc., my exams would be no better than the exams we're talking about right here. In fact, um, a couple of uh, months ago, I went in the room without any support, no structure, no software, nothing to do the exams. I did an incomplete or um, an erroneous uh, history or physical exam about 85 to 90% of the time. There was just too much to remember. Something got forgotten. You're in there, you're talking to the patient, you're a little distracted just because, you know, you're dealing with another human, um, you know, trying to understand what they're telling you and things get lost. Not to mention, put a overlay on this of a time pressure, you know, 15, 20 minutes um, with the patient. It's just a recipe for disaster. If you're gonna make a bet on a report coming out of an office, Bet on it being incomplete, uh, inaccurate, and you're going to win uh, 95% of the time. You'll win that bet.
0: RateFast has now sort of dived into six states in the United States. Um, I'm wondering, are all the states giving impairment reports that are as incomplete or inaccurate?
1: Yes. One of the things we learned when we looked at other states was how much of a universal problem this is. You know, California, biggest work comp state. Um, and you know, we knew that the problems were were large here and that were widespread. Um, I didn't really know uh, what we were going to find when we went into other states, but as it turns out, um, we found very similar trends. That doctors are busy. Um, doctors do very poor jobs, and by poor, I mean uh, you know probably um, excluding seventy percent of the required data um, for a rating exam, and uh, we're. Not doing a good job, particularly at collecting data for things like ranges of motion, you know, where you have to take a measurement, it needs to be exact and it needs to be, uh, you know, uh, validated and all these things. So we, we did find that although the error rates varied from state to state because some of the rule sets um, were, uh, were more simple than others, um, the problems were universal. Everyone had problems with ranges of motion when they had to be done. Um, Everyone had problems consistently applying rule sets. Um, Backs were done incorrectly. Shoulders were done incorrectly. Um, You know, all these uh, things um, that are complicated. Uh, I got a surgery on my back. I've had two-level fusion. I've had three surgeries. I've had two injections. You know, how does all this play out? How does it get priced? And it's just a very, very common, common problem. So, in in a way, it was um, good to see that because we're not just dealing with something unique or isolated, um, you know, with a state like California. This is totally across the board.
0: Each state has a different system for calculating impairment reports, making all the measurements and examinations and everything. But it seems like there's an underlying kind of general set of principles that goes into it, most of which turn out inaccurate. Yeah. How do we sort of systematically approach the the native or sort of the the underlying report deconstruct it and then generate a rating framework that represents the in the injured individual
1: well i i think there are a couple of um uh, misconceptions at this point in the discussion i wanted to clarify one thing that i think um uh People might be laboring under this, you know, misinformation. The doctors want to do these reports somehow. Doctors don't want to do these reports. okay? Um, they have to do these reports. And so when you put someone in a situation where they're doing something they really don't want to, it's time consuming. Um, It takes a lot of um, concentrated, unbroken focus, you know, to to write a lot of um, background and study, you know, to get this special knowledge set. Um Doctors really don't want to do this. Now, there are some doctors out there that that do like to do it, um, you know myself being one of them, but you know, we're not the usual, okay? We're very unusual in that we we even think about this or we're concerned about it. But for the most part, we're asking doctors to do something complicated that they don't want to do, and that's one of the inherent problems is the incentive for a provider to do this when, they're not getting enough time. They don't have enough training. They're being held to unrealistic uh, expectations. and they're not really being paid, um, you know, for, uh, for the process of doing the impairment rating. They could be off seeing other patients doing procedures, doing other things and um, being incentivized with revenue that way as opposed to having to do this. So in some ways, having to do an impairment report in a primary treater's office is a penalty or a downside of the practice. So, so, so if we frame it that way, we understand maybe why things are the way they are. And maybe it's not because it's so complicated. Maybe it's not because they're not doing enough. Maybe it's that they just don't want to be doing it. (laughs) You know, that's the other side of the coin. So we have two things very heavily weighed against an accurate report coming out of a primary treater's office. And those are the two main incentives or disincentives, should I say.
0: So nationally we have this large problem. Yes. Of doctors that are making inaccurate reports, having a load, a wealth of information that they sort of have to memorize and then sort of compute into each and every impairment report that they that they're conducting. Right. Um, and that's a huge problem because so many of these reports are coming back again inaccurate, incomplete. So what would be the solution to this problem?
1: Well, I think the big question that you're asking is, how are we going to unbreak this system? Okay. Yes. And when, when we were in those six states and looking at those cases, um, we pulled uh, just 37 out of the cases, they're random, at these and took a look. Okay. And out of these 37 cases, 12 off the bat were simply unrateable, meaning they had such poor data that you couldn't even generate a report. You couldn't even rate it as a zero they were that bad in quality. Um, Out of those 37, four were found correct. Um, Out of those uh, 37, we adjusted two up from the price that they came in at, meaning that the doctor had underrated the value of the claim. And um, of those 37, we found 19 that had to be adjusted down because they were overrated. And so this is the problem. Um, that that we continue to have, and why everyone is suspicious of any impairment report that comes out of a primary treater's office as being too high, too low, or simply unusable. And you know what? Everyone's right. <laughs> you know, it's only right, um, it was only right, um, you know, four times out of 37. And that does not instill a lot of confidence in the stakeholders, you know, when you look at this and get numbers. You know, I can understand it. Yeah, that's a huge error. It's 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 a giant error rate. Yeah, and and no one really, you know, you can look at study after study, and you're you're just going to find an on average ninety percent are wrong, and you're going to see that over and over again. Sometimes you see ninety seven, sometimes you see eighty five, but you know, like I said, it, the, when the dust settles, it's usually around ninety percent. It's a pretty safe bet. Um, the other thing that we learned, and and this is really the whole point of the podcast, and this is. Really, how I believe the industry is going to change. When we studied the data completeness of these reports, okay, and that simply means that if we're going to do a rating on a shoulder and we all agree that there are 10 things that need to be asked or measured in the report, okay, how many of those 10 things are actually going to be in any report that we pull on a shoulder, for instance? So, When we looked at the data and we looked at backs and shoulders and knees and fingers, et cetera, we found that on average, you know, doctors were putting in somewhere between 20 and 30% of the required data for the report when the rating was generated, okay? Clearly F-level work, okay? Um, Not a lot of data in there. Numbers were being provided. Um, The reports were wrong fits into everything else um, that we saw in the data. But the the companies that we were working with said, well, we're not only going to give you the doctor's report, we're going to give you the entire chart. And in that chart, why don't you see what's missing and how much can be filled in and how much the data completeness can be repaired? And when we did that, we found that we could increase the completeness of the report from the 20% range up to the 45 to 50% range. When that happened, a light went on in my head <clears throat> saying, you know what, It's it's not only that the reports are incomplete, it may also very well be that the doctors either don't have the time or don't even know what to look for in their own chart as far as some of the rateable data, you know, things found on x-ray, things found on studies, certain parts of um, a, a shoulder procedure that are rateable.
0: Those I can imagine that that would be the case.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and so they either didn't have time or they didn't even know what to look for in their own chart and that's again when that light went on and said, "You know what? What we really really need to do is we need to start thinking about removing the doctors from the impairment process because The doctors, as it turns out, are the single largest introduction of error into the impairment process. And, and people are going to scratch their heads. So what are you talking about? You know, the doctor has to do the impairment rating. Well, they're not doing a very good job and we can actually do a better job without them. And in fact, we can do a much better job, um, without the doctors. And so, so. That was really a moment of realization for me that this process, because of its complexity, because of the detail, um, and because of the scope of the problem, we really need to remove the largest, you know, predictable error in the process, and that turns out to be the doctor.
0: So, John, it sounds like we've got the problem. We've identified the source. Now, how do we fix it?
1: Well, the the good news is, is that there is a fix. Um, and the good news is, is that the fix satisfies many of the problems that we have with the current quality of the reports. As I said earlier, if we go into the report and we have a systematic approach, we know what we're looking for. We know what we have to glean from the data. We can do a better job than the doctor almost every single time, um, The, the other thing too, and I'm just going to make a little side comment here that people always say, well, what about the ranges of motion? Doctors need to do the ranges of motion, you know, and I want to point out that the doctors don't do a very good job of range of motion. You know, if you look at almost all of the rule sets, you're supposed to take specific degree measurements, you subtract the other side, you do it a couple times. It has to have a, you know, a a variance of 10% or such, et cetera, et cetera. When the doctors try to do those measurements they don't even come close to the criteria. The point is, what are they doing, or why are they even trying to do it? So, the the range of motion myth that the doctor needs to do that, um, you know, as opposed to what you get out of the chart, it just doesn't really make much difference um, in the outcome of the rating. So, so what I have found, and the solution from my standpoint uh, to this problem, is to basically have an approach that when someone is ready for their impairment rating, the uh, data in the claim gets analyzed. And it's not analyzed by the doctor. It's analyzed by a knowledgeable observer who um, reviews the data, um, puts it in a correct context, um, validates it in a way that it must be validated and generates that report. Now that report can then be provided to the doctor and the doctor can check it for accuracy or do whatever they want um, uh, to it. But the main thing is, is that the doctor isn't having the burden of having this large knowledge set and uh, time of having to interview the patient, ask the questions, and then at the end of the day, still get beat up because they didn't do a very good job. So, so what we're talking about is basically a standardization of the impairment rating process. That runs in the background of the claim so that when that claim is ready to be rated, the claims are done consistently and accurately and bearing the highest quality of the content of the report possible that the record can provide. And that's really what the intent is of impairment rating. And that's what we can now do by removing the doctor from that process.
0: This would be the. <clears throat> Let me see. This would be the class standard report.
1: Yeah, the class standard report is something that we have come up with um, uh, here at RateFast, and basically, the issue is when you are looking at a knee injury, for instance, and you're looking at ten knee injuries, not every knee injury is the same. Some have fully resolved, some have some minor residuals, some have major residuals, some people can't stand for more than five minutes, etc. So there's a wide spectrum on the severity of the knee injuries, okay? So if we're going to do a good job and we're going to start rating these cases the most accurately that we can, we have to have an approach that is going to class each injury within the body part into appropriate cohorts, if you will. Now once we have that, then we can start looking at reports in groups of severity and classing them, and that's what we call the class standard exam. So if I have a class standard exam that comes in at a mild to moderate injury and and we're missing a piece of data in this particular exam, okay, but we have 350 exams that are exactly similar or very close to the severity of this injury, we can now um, not only accurately rate that, but we can augment the missing data for reports that have actually been done consistently and validated correctly through the system. And now we can repair those data sets and give a more accurate value to the stakeholders without actually having to do that exam meticulously, question by question, um, measurement by measurement, which we know it will never be done that way. So the class standard exam is an approach to taking a report that we know may not have complete data. We're able to review that chart, bring in the highest completeness of data possible to the table, and then we can reach out into our historical accurate database and we can augment any necessary parts um, that are critical or missing with um, statistically expected or accurate information, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. So having a database do the heavy lifting and sort of an input-output system based off of the data that it's given against the data that has been recorded in the past, that is inside the database that's being used.
1: Corey, that's exactly right. And and what I want to bring up here is that we're not talking about any database. We're not talking about someone having done a knee exam and took a look and said, "Oh, it looks like the knee flexes to about ninety degrees." Um, that stuff is not going in this database. Okay, only cases that have the validated criteria of the administrative rule set that pass those criteria, those those um, variance um, uh, statistical things that are required by the rule set, only that data goes into the historical accurate database. This is not everyone um, compiling up an average of, you know, a 500 knee exams and saying, well, the average of the extension was seven degrees. That is not what we are talking about here. And that is not what we can do here because those we know are erroneous exams. So we try um, to provide a data set that is clean and accurate. Okay, not just any data set, but an accurate and a validated data set to use when we need to call it into play to help us find this data that um, cannot and will not ever be recorded for the claim.
0: The items in the data set are validated items based off of validated exams. Can you tell me what exactly a validated exam is?
1: Yeah. So if I'm going to um, uh, be measuring shoulder motion, and let's say it's uh, forward flexion, and um, I have a report that's being analyzed in this process. And it says uh, the forward flexion is full. Okay, not uncommon. Um, The rule set says that a full range of motion is 180 degrees. The rule set says that that needs to be measured twice with an actual device to the nearest one degree. The rule set says that those two measurements You have to use the higher of the two, and the rule set says that they have to be within 10% of one another, okay? So that's a pretty tall order, and and it doesn't stop there. The rule set says you also measure the other side, okay? The rule set says you do two measurements on the other side. The rule set says that you use the higher measurement on the other side. The rule set says that um, they have to be within 10%, and the rule set also says that if the uninjured side registers any loss, that has to be subtracted from the injured side. Okay. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of you know things to have to do. Um, you can see why why a doctor might say, Well, it's 180 degrees both sides. Let's just move on. It's full, you know. But that's yes. what we're that is what we're trying to remove from the system because that's what has gotten us into so much trouble.
0: An accumulated number of validated exams come together to make a historic accurate data set.
1: Yes. Yes. So for instance, um, if I have a report that is actually validated as done correctly, okay, that goes in. If I have a report that comes in that is not validated, that does not get put into the historical accurate data set, but it does benefit from it because that report will be classed and, um, and the historical accurate data set will then provide us a suggested value because it's classed in other injuries of severity and intensity um, as the same one that we're looking at. And so that is really the, the true value of the historical accurate data set. It allows um, things to be done that currently have no access to ever being done. Like I said, the doctor's not going to be able to deliver on it. Maybe the patient never followed up for an exam. Maybe the patient not going to follow up for an exam. And these cases just sit and they're stale and they get drawn out and someone gets unhappy and an attorney gets involved. And now it's three years later and nothing more has been done. So this is really the key benefit um, to the system. This is how the historical accurate data set is going to change the way that impairment is done in the marketplace.
0: So, John, can you show me some examples from the new RateFast Express? Can you show me some uh, exam examples?
1: Yeah, so I have a couple of examples um, just to kind of illustrate the benefits of this system um, and how it helps with uh, claims that are either um, stuck or claims that were incorrect. So the first case I want to talk about is... A person um, is injured on the job. They have a back injury. They have significant um, leg pain. We'll call it radiculopathy. It's following a nerve down the leg. Um, The doctor does their exam. Um, The doctor takes about 10 minutes to do the exam that day, and they're given a permanent um, work restriction of no lifting over five pounds. The um, uh, back report um, says that their range of motion is about 70%, and um, there's no other comments made. They're given a 0% whole person impairment, which means um, nothing, no value on the claim at all, and um, they're sent back to work. Um, In this uh, instance, uh, the um, injured individual is unhappy um, because uh, clearly they do have um, some functional impairment. Uh, They cannot do any lifting. They have significant leg pain. Um, Etc. And so, this report, um, as it stands, we have a very unhappy injured worker. Um, we have an obviously incorrect impairment report, um, and and because of that, this case ends up getting litigated. The patient is unhappy because they get no uh, benefits um, to take care of their uh, injury in the future. Um, the, uh, price is obviously incorrect. They get an attorney, the case goes on and on. Um, it gets, uh, closed with a slightly better exam from an agreed medical evaluator about two years later and, uh, the case, you know, gets settled. Not an unusual story. Now, an intervention with a rate fast express could have prevented that doctor from having to do an exam that probably didn't want to do in the first place, um, uh, would have been uh, much more aware of the rest of the data in the chart, um, would have seen some multi level arthritis, would have been able to assign um, apportionment properly, which is determining how much of a resultant in permanent injury is related to pre existing factors, um, and uh, be able to assign future care and give a much more complete and rounded um, view of the case than what happened. So that's a case where, again, patient seen, incomplete, poor impairment report, kind of standard um, right now um, for everyday, you know, business, and an unhappy stakeholder in the system. So that's example um, number one. Example number two was also also a story where an injured worker hurt their knee, um, twisted it out in the field. And this one's a little different. They were out in the rural area Um, went into the emergency room, Um, there was an initial report written, Uh, they're given some work restrictions, some medications, um, and told to follow up with the work comp doctor. The problem here is that this is a rural situation, and no provider could be found willing to take the patient or within the network out in the rural area. So this patient just never had any follow-up. And now it's uh, eight months later, Um, Nothing has really happened. They haven't gone back to work. And patient has no options to really see anyone or determine what to do from here. So this patient actually had a claim. It got opened. Um, They're um, not going to improve um, without any additional treatment. There is no additional treatment available to them, again, because of their geographic isolation. And now what does this person do? So in this situation, um, with a, a Rate Fast Express uh, report, and for the class standard exam, the claim can be valued, and the claim can be settled. And what happens is the injured worker takes the settlement, they go to their primary care physician, they get a knee surgery, they go back to work, um, and they have some future benefits in the future um, if they uh, can find um, a network provider uh, to do it, or they have the option of just settling their entire claim for cash and doing a compromise and release. So in both of these situations, one, we could see where the rate Fast Express would actually have um, shortened a litigated case that didn't really need to be litigated. It was um, just an index incorrect, you know, report that was the culprit. And in the other one, um, it was simply that there was no other care options available to the injured worker. And in both situations, this Rayfast Express the historical accurate database was used or can be used to shorten the time, give the most accurate report and get the stakeholders on to the next step in the treatment, which is settlement and, and getting treatment, cashing it all out, whatever
0: they choose to do, but moving on as the system intends. It sounds like every single stakeholder in the process has something to benefit by the class standard report. As well as a historical accurate data set.
1: That's right, because everyone wants the case to settle. Um, Everyone, believe it or not, wants it to be as accurate as possible. You know, insurance companies don't want to pay incorrect prices because they know that that's going to boomerang right back with an attorney or, you know, with a delay or a complaint. And, you know, it's just going to sit on some adjuster's desk and just, you know, go on and on. So, Everyone's happy to settle a case. They just have to have confidence in the system that the number is accurate and something that they can understand um, why the settlement value is what it is. And that's really what's missing in the process right now. We can't have doctors turning in junk reports with incorrect numbers just because they needed to get something off and they kept getting letters or calls from the insurance adjuster. That cannot be the solution. That cannot be the case. And again, with a system like this, we're able to remove the errors of the doctor. We're able to improve the quality and the completeness of the data set. We're able to standardize the exposure that everyone gets to a more accurate and fair settlement. And the doctors don't have the pressure and they're not being asked to do something they don't wanna do anymore.
0: So by establishing the class standard report, built by historic accurate data sets made up of validated exams, doctors are actually able to lift the burden of all of the training and all of the learning and all of sort of the very fine tunings of doing these impairment exams in order to actually turn out more accurate, more consistent, generally rewarding impairment reports so that the injured worker can get back to work faster that's hard to argue with, John.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I would I would very much agree. If you do workers' compensation, if you're an adjuster, if you're an attorney, if you're a doctor, you can use RateFast Express now and all you need to do is go to our website at www, You know ratefastexpress.com, and start getting accurate fast reports done now.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast today, John, and um, I encourage all of our listeners to follow John's advice and come to the, uh, the blog and as well as the RateFast website. Thank you for joining us, John.
1: Excellent. Thanks again. Talk to you later.
0: For more on RateFast Express, visit us at RateFastExpress.com. For more on the RateFast Impairment Rating Software Suite, visit us at wwwrate fast. Dot .com and for more on our blog visit us at blog.rate-fast.com